Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Welcome to Webcology on WebmasterRadio.fm. It is the fifth uh, of March, twenty twenty. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, and uh, we're gonna have a fun one today. Uh, I, I I I love when when I when I wake up to stuff like this. Like, let me tell you a quick story. I woke up and I saw my email, and I saw that we'd scooped PubCon. <laughs> Chris Brogan. <laughs> It was announced this morning that Chris Brogan is going to be uh, the keynote speaker at PubCon. We got him as guest uh, coming up after first break. That's going to be way cool. Dave, thank you so much on that, by the way. Oh, and uh, and and thanks to Chris for joining us. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, so we've got news to, to cover first because it just keeps happening. I know. You just can't slow stuff down, eh? I know. Okay. Where do you want to, where do you want to start? You know what, to make sure we get it, um, let's talk about the story that you sent over here, and I'd forgotten to, to, to actually like post that one in our, in our chat where we talk about the news. Um, let's encrypt, because that's a big PSA we got to cover. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> How does this happen? Like, okay, so Let's Encrypt uh, has had to revoke over 3 million uh, SSL licenses. Uh, 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 security socket layer licenses um, because of a bug in the way they were assigned. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you gotta have that. You, you gotta have SSL. You gotta have HTTPS. Um, more secure. I was trying to explain this to my girlfriend Shauna um, coming out of a medical clinic yesterday, and I had an entire elevator of people uh, um, in rapt attention by the time we got to the to the ground floor. Um, you got to have a, to, in order to create a more secure web, Google and their browser Chrome have been insisting for years that, you know, people get, get security certificates, $100 a pop mm -hmm. or more, depending on the type of certificate you buy. Um, Let's Encrypt has had to revoke millions of the ones that they issued. The only way to fix the bug is to um, revoke the SSL. Now, this has a cascading effect, eh? Yeah. So, I don't suppose this has happened to you. It, it, I, I'm lucky. I don't use Let's Encrypt, nor do any of our clients. Thank goodness. Um, I mean, no, I'm not. I'm not a judgment of them, and they're they're dealing with what they're dealing with, and that's not. So it just and right now, I'm glad we don't. <laughs> but if you do, or if somebody you know does, um, you should check what's going on with your SSL and. Uh, Maybe get it updated. Um, and again, like let, 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 let's let's hope that uh, some of these three million accounts don't include major tool makers or uh, uh, plugin makers. Eh? Well, there's there's those. I, I'm you know obviously concerned about um, CDNs and providers of third party scripts, right? Like that we might be calling in to an HTTPS and pulling elements onto a page. Um, you know, those sorts of things. And, and, you know, it'd be bad enough if it's just like my site just all of a sudden went, you know, insecure. Um, and of course it's the worst case scenario because it'd be bad enough if it just went insecure and went to HTTP, but you're probably redirecting it. 
<laughs> if it was, you know, if the, if the user did just enter the domain, you're probably redirecting them to the HTTPS, which is now being insecure, whereas they'd actually just get the notice that you're on a page that isn't secure. Now they'll be getting a warning going, um, you're going to a page that doesn't have their secure certificate. So it's bad. Um, and that's why I was like, yeah, let's cover this first, because that'll also help people understand what their problem is. If it's happening to your site and you don't know um, why that is, you know, site owners, business owners, there's no reason they would know this. At least now, hopefully they can tell their developer, hey, this thing is happening. Can you look into it, whether that's the problem? Yeah. And you know, it's funny, uh, Chris Brogan, who's, who's, who's sitting uh, in the in the studios, in the sideline of the studio, just mentioned in the chat room that this just happened to him five minutes ago. Well, guess so, who we're yeah. talking to about this in uh, probably about 10 minutes from now. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so this this can have cascading effects, and obviously it can uh, it can uh, directly affect either uh, either a sale or somebody's impression of your website. Mm -hmm. Now, if it just so happens you have a completely secure website and you didn't order a security certificate from that's encrypt, and you're still totally SSL compliant, but you link to a site that isn't or never was, mm -hmm. Google would like you to know that it's not going to count against you. <laughs> about it right <laughs> hey, i know and i found that one funny it, you know i mean these things sort of happen in like a but but of course like if if they were going to count that then basically every page that was built like older than five years ago which probably linked in large part <laughs> to https pages if you didn't upload those links you'd, you'd be you'd be in trouble um it's not to say don't do it right like i know anytime i am on a page if i'm like Okay, there's a bunch of links, you know, that I that I should fix, right? I, you know, I will. Um, I run scans for HTTP, you know, on on our client sites occasionally just to to make sure, but um, you know, and and to check for dead links while I'm at it. But you know, it, it's you should do it right. You should link to the right one when you can, but it doesn't make any sense they would penalize that. Well, if it's a redirect, like if you're looking to a page that has a redirect applied to it, and it's say one redirect top, no one cares, right? Right. You might run into problems, and this is not not a lot you can do about it, except link to the HTTPS version. Um, if there's multiple redirects that uh, you run into, then that won't be counted against. That still won't be counted against your document, like where you linked from. You're not going to lose any ranking. You're not going to lose any juice, and no one's going to think of you that way. But um, there is going to be no page rank or no juice passed from your page onto the next one if they have to go through a bunch of redirects. But beyond that, I don't see how it, how it has much effect. Right. Well, and, and that's a great point. If you may want to go, if you have like a bunch of these chain redirects, I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why you're going to want to like figure that out anyway. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yes, if you have a bunch of like links to older resources that are coming for, you know, into your HTTPS version, yeah, it might be worth an outreach if you, you know, have a couple changes. You're now going through a domain, right? To add in a, you know, a domain change, to add in another step or something. Yeah, you might want to clean these things up and just reduce it by one if you can. But um, yeah, it wouldn't, even in those cases, it's not hurting me to have them, which is, it was the nature of the question. Does it hurt me to have links to HTTPS? No, it, it might hurt you in that if it has to chain through a bunch, you know, cause you've caused more and more problems and sort of to stack redirects. We've all seen those happen where, you know, this move to here, move to here, move to here. Um, you know, that, that might end up causing you some, some problems, but, um, yeah, for the okay. most part, it's not a big deal.
So here's here's a fun one I saw just this morning. Um, yesterday, uh, Google's uh, Daniel Daniel Weisberg uh, put out a video, a, a Google Help video, and uh, in the video he suggested that sites probably don't need a sitemap anymore. Remember how XML sitemaps or a PHP equivalent was like um, gospel rule in SEO? You had to provide a sitemap. You had mm -hmm. to help Google discover all these pages. Yep. A, Google may, may or may not actually want to discover all those pages, as we found out. Right. And, uh, and, 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 and B, Google actually has criteria whether it's, you need a sitemap or not. Um, according to, again, according to Google's Daniel Weisberg, um, if you have a really large site, if um, your pages are, are kind of isolated, like there's no links coming into them, or if your site is brand new or changes frequently, a sitemap will be beneficial. But otherwise, if you've got a page that has lots of links and a really clear internal linking structure, the sitemap isn't necessary for discovery. Google's going to find those, going to find all those pages in the site. It's going to discover them just by doing what it does, following links. Um, but it might help Google understand when to update or when to recrawl pages or when to take a, take a second or third look. Well, and you know what, I find some of this criteria sort of humorous, right? Like when, when you hear it from Google, some of it makes perfect sense. We got a site change. We've got, we got pages that update frequently, right? So you want Google to pick up that last modified stuff again. Absolutely makes sense. The one that I found sort of funny is if you've got basically orphaned pages, like really is Google in a big hurry to find these pages that have such low value that they have no external links and very few internal links? what are my odds of ranking anyway? <laughs> yeah, okay, Google now knows it. Uh, but it, it obviously is not going to be a highly valuable page on my site anyway. So the odds of it actually ranking for anything are kind of irrelevant. That was the only one, and that's a, that's a nitpicky thing. I don't know. I, I love the way they worded that. Don't worry about it. I'm like, I don't worry about it. It cost me virtually nothing to do them. <laughs> well, indeed. And, uh, so I submitted them anyway, and there we go. For most people, if, if you're using Drupal, if you're using WordPress, or pretty much any any content management system, there's uh, plugins or um, add-ons that uh, that do the work for you. I, in fact, I don't think I've actually made a manual sitemap in. Uh, I remember I remember doing one. I had a terrible cold. I was in Calgary on a business trip. I had to get this done. It was like a hundred pages I had to put into the sitemap. And it was the worst night of my life. And I did it manually. And I was so proud of myself when I was done. Yep. And that was like 2007. <laughs> you know, it's um, I actually built one three days ago. And I do every month for one of our clients. Uh, manually by hand. Really? I do. And they have a, a JavaScript site with properties that oh, some okay. come, some go all the time. Um, but fortunately, in there is every two weeks, I'm running Screaming Frog over it just to check for like bizarre little things. They're, they're an important client. And I'm like, I make sure that everything's always them. So it's virtually nothing for me to go sitemap. <laughs> I can just have it generate a sitemap for me. Um, so, it, you know, even if you have to do it, just, you know, pull out Screaming Frog. <laughs> Crawl your site, which you should do every now and then anyway. And, um, you know, just, just make a file. It's easy. Um, you know, once you're doing it anyway. I mean, it wouldn't be, you know, maybe worth crawling to create the sitemap. But if you're going to be crawling anyway... Just it's it takes like literally about one minute to generate a sitemap and upload it from there. Okay, we're uh, we're, we're 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 eating time here. 
we have um, we have a guest who's just you know sort of waiting patiently in the green room. A um, couple more stories, and then then we're going to take a break. And we're going to be getting to uh, to Chris Brogan. Um, don't want to actually cover this, but I, this is like one of those SEO must reads. Check out Search Engine Land today. Um, George uh, George Nugan, uh, one of one of their one of their editors, wrote an article on optimizing for Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, Follow the headings, learn what Amazon's about and why you should be doing this, that, or whatever to your clients or your own product listings in Amazon. Um, and, you know, I, 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 Amazon is the chief product search engine in the world now. Um, replaced Google like ages ago, but we don't talk about it enough. I, I, I really, and I, I'm really glad George wrote this, this piece. I agree. Uh, and lastly, and then the only reason I want to cover this is just because uh, it's 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 worth noting. Um, politicians will do anything, you know. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle they're on—left, right, uh, Dem, uh, Republican. If uh, if technology is involved and they can get a leg up on everybody else, they'll jump on any story or any narrative, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, former presidential hopeful Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, Lost a lawsuit that she filed against Google yesterday when a U.S. District Court Judge Stephen Wilson ruled Gabbard had no claim that Google violated the First Amendment because Google is a private company and not a government entity. <laughs> Gabbard's campaign was trying to argue Google should be considered a state actor, the equivalent of a government or a government department, and thus subject to uh, free speech protections. And this is important. This is like... the trying to manipulate perception or the law about what private private tech companies do is actually probably not helpful you know no so, i mean you you quickly can imagine the precedent that sets well indeed but okay so the judge judge wilson ain't having none of this google is not now nor to the court's knowledge has it ever been an arm of the united states government wilson wrote he dismissed the complaint with prejudice which means it's over Gabbard can't regroup and try another line of similar argument. So the suit got filed. <laughs> it's even dumber. The suit got filed because Google shuts her account down for a couple hours back in June, late June, because it detected fraud around the account. There was too much spend going on. And uh, Google, Google's algorithm, just, you know, algorithmic fraud detection, shut it down yep. and started it up again four or five hours later when they determined that it was. Um, when they determined what was correct and incorrect traffic. Mm-hmm. So they got sued over it. Yeah. That's uh, again, just to fulfill a narrative. And I think that is, it's, it's like, it's interesting you bring that up because it's completely non-political in, in a way. Like I, I don't, you know, it, it doesn't matter who's who in here. That is a huge win. And you yeah. know, both you and I are marketers. So as marketers, that's important. Like as, as, as technology people, um, personally, I consider this also a win just for, I don't know, capitalism and, and commerce. <laughs> like you, you can't, if all of a sudden companies could be dumped in under government when yeah. there's a very few exceptions I could think of, maybe, maybe a handful, but um, that would be very, very dangerous. The rules may be completely amazing and they may be totally screwed up. That depends how you're looking at them. But changing the narrative doesn't help make make what may be necessary changes to rules you know what i mean like that 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 steps backwards anyway speaking of narrative 
we have Chris Brogan sitting in the green room. We're, 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 we're talking about a, a stupid lawsuit around Google. Yeah. Uh, Chris is the president of Chris Brogan Media. He does business storytelling, uh, marketing to tell, you know, to, to, to help businesses actually get their message out, not uh, product PR. Chris is going to be coming up after 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 our first break. He's going to be keynoting at PubCon, which is coming up in, in actually just a few weeks in Florida. And uh, since so I can't wait to talk to him, on behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedge from Digital Ways Media. You're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm, recorded live to podcast on the 5th of March, 2020. We're back with Chris Brogan after these messages. Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break. truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training a weekly podcast for you or your company, distribution to almost every podcast portal, an embeddable player for your website, an ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts, and much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. LPO, landing page optimization, where we make marketers great using design, data, psychology, and attitude. Join our host, Brian Massey, best known as the conversion scientist, as he sits down with leading marketers to help you create campaigns that deliver. LPO, only on webmasterradio.fm. Are you a PPC professional? Would you like a mountain of resources that will help you fine-tune your skills? Join the Paid Search Association, the only nonprofit organization dedicated to serving managers of Google, Microsoft, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter advertising accounts. Check it out at www.paidsearch.org. That's www.paidsearch.org. Synergize your search engine education from 101 to rockstar level. Only on webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 5th of March, 2020. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media and Dave <laughs> Davies from Beefstock Internet Marketing. And we're joined by Chris Brogan, president of Chris Brogan Media. Business storyteller, um, advisor to Disney, Coke, Google, GM, Microsoft, Coldwell Banker, uh, Titleist, and more, and keynote speaker at PubCon Vegas. Uh, I'm sorry, PubCon Florida, coming up in a few weeks. Chris, welcome to Webcology. 
Jim, I'll go to all of them, I guess. You you just keep pointing me. I'll go there. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Uh, you know what? I'm pretty sure you're going I'm, to... I'm, I'm, you might want to clear this with Melissa and Brent, but I'm pretty sure you got a standing invitation. Woo! <laughs> How's it going? You know, best day of my life. I'm able to sit up and take some nourishment. As I was listening to the earlier segment, I was like, wow, this is real news happening now. I wanted to order a stupid sandwich before going on the show. And like my uh, Firefox browser was saying, like, you can't go to this sub shop. They're going to take your kids away. And I was like, whoa, I just kind of wanted a sandwich. But, you know, it, think about that. This is my little small town. There's 2,500 people in this town. I can see this business from my window. And they don't know it, but their website is like, it looks like a porn star if you click on it right now because of how mean uh, all the browsers are for it having a bad SSL search. It's incredible. And, and, and yeah, uh, you, 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 might, you might want to tell them. Maybe they'll give you a sandwich. You know, I, now that you say that, that's how you're in the business you're in, and that's why I'm an idiot. Like, because I was just going to like tell them in passing, probably the delivery guy who could least care about this. <laughs> <laughs> hey boss this guy was telling me eh right this is a guy who um has delivered to my house you know once every couple of weeks let's say for a few years and has never once brought a pen with him <laughs> so you like, like a- can i sign my receipt in greece and you know <laughs> i have to like go back in my house and grab a pen and i'm like you know delivery like there's probably a few things you got to do you got to bring a bunch of ones and you got to bring a pen. Like beyond that, like how much just don't <laughs> knock the food over in the car, and you've kind of gotten in and out, right? But I don't know. Bless their hearts. Friends at the friends at the industry who are going to PubCon, you were going to have a a fun time. Um, Chris, I'm looking at your website, uh, chrisbrogan.com, and uh, at the very bottom, personal note, you you have the, obviously you have a hard time writing biographies at the very bottom of your quite long biography page you say that um never hesitate to introduce yourself to me when you see me about out and about okay you're promise that you're nice so at popcorn um uh, uh after you do your keynote um people love talking to speakers it's a huge rise for them um do you are you going to be available no oh my gosh you going to get the hell out of the building I'm no just running as fast as i can no um listen First off, Canadian, um, I have to tell you the whole thing about going to events. There's kind of a couple of three different types of people who go. There's the kind of people who want to go there because they want to become killer ninja murderers. And like if they learn some secret in some panel, it'll change their business 85%. That won't happen at mine. Mine's like you're going to laugh a little bit. You're going to go, oh, I never really thought about it that way. And uh, Brett Tabke and gang bring me back because I do – like if you guys sit around building the vending machine all day, I'm the guy who builds the chocolate bars all day. And so no one ever like is sitting around at their desk at the office and goes, man, I really hope they have a good vending machine. Like you just want the bar, right? And it's really important how that bar gets delivered. And there's a lot of things a vending machine has to do. Right. Um, But I, I feel like we have to go together, right? Like if there's no vending machine, then things get weird if there's no bar. So if you see me at, uh, you know, PubCon, you please come and say hi to me because it's like, you know, I live thousands of miles away from that venue and here's what I'll get. I'll get tweets afterwards going, well, I was going to say hi, but you know, there's a couple of people there and I'm like, well, I'm not flying back to say hi to your dumb ass. Just come and say hi. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I mean, there's a few different ways. Keynotes are, are very different than, than any other kind of, you know, sort of 
Thank speaking Buddha. engagement. Right. Um, but let's go back because I, I want to circle back to, to PubCon, but just to give our, our listeners like a, a sort of base. Um, level. Yeah. And anybody who's visited you your that? site, it's really clear storytelling is, is all over the place, right? Like the heck I follow you on Twitter. There it is. Right. So what is it you do for these companies <laughs> that are, that are bringing you on? These are some big names. What do you do for them? It's, it's a, it's a super important question. And it, it, so I, I speak everywhere, right? So the only place that I ever feel so twitchy is at PubCon. Because I'm like standing next to a bunch of people like, nye, 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 I built site. You know, I don't know half of the things you said in the last segment, and I still don't get them. I rank for some of the dumbest phrases in the world. <laughs> it used to be for a really long time, I ranked for grow bigger ears and you're doing it wrong. Like, that's it. So like, you know, when I come around your gang, like Webmaster Radio types and all that, and, and specifically the types of people at PubCon, they ask the same question all the time. And, and depending on where they are on the autistic spectrum, like they, they hide their disdain or they don't, but they're like, clearly you are no scientific robot man like us. And I go, I know, I'm like a weirdo. But here's what I do for companies. What will absolutely be true about this interview compared to other interviews you have is everyone's going to be like, who was that? Like negative and positive, right? So what I do for companies is on, on the baseline level, what I try to do is teach them to treat my mom better because I feel like if I just do that for every company in the world enough times, then maybe the world will be better. Um, what I tend to do is I help them try to figure out once you have all these mechanics in place to, to earn somebody's attention or whatnot, what do you do with it? Because a lot of times we, we squander that, you know? I mean, there's people who have incredibly decent ranking who ask their, the people who they've given a sliver of attention to this company, which Game of Thrones character they are. Well, guess who cares about it? Zero people care about that, right? You know, the, the most diehard Game of Thrones fan in the world does not care if Frito-Lay Company wants to help you decide which Game of Thrones character you are. So what I try to do is how do I help a company understand how do they use any of this technology to drive a better human interaction? And so that sometimes is storytelling stuff. I'm super into business storytelling, which is how do you make the buyer the hero? How do you, how do you kind of set everything up so you, know, you understand the, the mindset? So it's like UX. It's like CX. It's like all the Xs because I like the Xs. Um, it's basically this idea that once you've got someone's attention, what could you really do with it that might be meaningful? And to me, business relationships are meaningful. Just like you know, really good retargeting program sticks with you a while, you kind of want to think that you want to be there before and after the sale. Like, because unless you're selling something big and dopey like a house, you know, you're kind of hoping for either another resale, uh, sale or re a referral, right? So once you've kind of gone through the, the cycle of buying, you're, you're aiming for retention and referral. I try to help people earn that retention and referral. And so that's kind of how I spend my time talking to big companies one way or another. You know, I can't help but be sort of drawn to an analogy in what you were describing. Um, and maybe this is for, and I, I hope it's a lot of my audience that will be in Florida, in sort of painting that, why would you possibly get disdain? Because I, I, I picture the, the environment and, and would go to, I look at a car ad, right? Like a, a car commercial. Um, and, and, and to me in, in, in that role, I would be the, the engineer, I'm a technical SEO, right? And these are the people I think you're talking about having like sort of a, what's he doing here? Sort of, sort of angle of things. And okay, I'm the engineer. We, we build the car and somebody like, I don't know, my wife or, or many of the other talented UX people in the world, they, they design this pretty thing, but in the ad, they focus on 
the freedom and experience. And I, I, to me, you're the one painting that picture, which is the part that has the emotional tie to me, or, or you're, you're helping companies attach to me as a human, rather than just going, here's all the stuff it does, which is like advertising like the late 1800s. Um, so I, I've been around and invited to events, you know, and when I say invited to, I mean, I get paid to speak all over the place at places where, well, there, there's like sort of three audiences. One audience already like drinks the Kool-Aid for the kind of stuff I'm into. And like, they're the, I don't like going to those because it's like, whatever, you know, you, you can only hear yes, yes. Like so many times I'd rather hang out at a place like PubCon where they're like, mm, I don't know if that's that important because there's a lot of people with like unicorn colored hair out there saying, you know, if you get on TikTok, life's going to be better. And the reason I get invited to places is because I don't say things like that. I, I keep telling people email marketing is my favorite social network, you know, and my email newsletter comes out from an actual addressable email address that you can hit reply to. It doesn't come from do not reply at please God, don't ever talk to us.com. Um, because I actually want the interaction. And people are like, why would you want that? Because I like money. And you know who wants to give you money? Someone who feels heard and seen and understood. So when I go to speak at events, you know, crowd number one, I already told you, I don't want to go there anyway. Screw those people. Crowd two are like skeptics. And then crowd three are the real customers. You know, the real, real customer. The, the guy who owns like, um, you know, 19 restaurants in a certain area and they're not a franchise. And so they're not getting those like McDonald's dollars. And they're like, how do I get people to my store? Or in the car situation, you know, I've done work for GM. Um, and what really got interesting is when Auto Body Association grabbed me. And I was, I was in love with those people right away because they're like, I don't understand how anything you're talking about works for me. And I got to sit with a few of them and explain it. And they were like, oh, we could do that. And all I want is not, gee whiz, this car is cool. I want something even crazier. I want you to mechanically track and, and deliver and, and annotate however you want engineers. But I want to say to that person, if you buy a car from us and there's any kind of problem, we will fix the problem. If you buy a car from us and you are less than thrilled with the experience, we will fix that problem. And if you send us your friends, we are going to treat them as good or better than we treated you. And I think that that's what's missing, right? When we, none of us watch an ad and go, that changed my mind. However, sometimes we'll watch an ad and go, oh, I feel better. You know, Microsoft did a great job, not this last Super Bowl, but the Super Bowl before. Because to me, being a Patriots guy, this last Super Bowl didn't even happen. I don't even know who played football <laughs> teams, I think. Um, but the one before it, Microsoft did this great ad talking about their new controllers for people with different physical abilities. And it was one of the most beautiful ads in the whole wide world. And what it was really talking about was like inclusivity, right? But it's so much harder to take that excitement from that Super Bowl commercial and translate it to the web into uh, all the other media that we'd want to put it into. That's the stuff that I get excited doing. I did not get that campaign, although I sort of secretly, privately begged every Microsoft person I knew to let me work on that campaign. Why is it so hard for, for brands or for that uh, restaurant owner? He owns 19 restaurants and uh, he or she, you know, did that with their own hands. Why is it so hard for them to come up with uh, a story that, that explains their values? Well, th so there's a lot of presumption on the planet. Do you know what I mean? So the, uh, the guy who runs the 19 restaurants or whatever, he's like, well, you just go in and you eat and then you know it's good. And I'm like, I know, but people are evaluating this from their desk. Like they're at a cubicle somewhere thinking, I'm thinking about getting some Viking food later. I wonder if there's a Viking restaurant in town, right? Like they're not, 
they're not, they don't get a chance to meet your person. And, and for whatever reason, I mean, we all have sort of looked at the web in weird ways. And I think gamers, like video gamers like myself, we are so willing to understand that our personality online can uh, reflect our personality in person and all that. And I, I'm old enough that I was in the age where we were all supposed to use fake names so we wouldn't get, you know, abducted by people. Um, but then when the world came around and said, you know, you could actually represent yourself digitally at a distance. I mean, that, my first big book, Trust Agents, the one I wrote with Julian Smith, we, we hit the New York Times bestseller list and like a whole bunch of other bestseller lists because it was at the time of the financial crisis, like 2009. And we wrote a book about how to, how to be, you know, how to build the trust at a distance. And, and guess what you can't talk to an SEO about? You could talk to him about digital trust. You know, what made my career was Penguin and Panda saying, screw all your experience for the last 10 years. <laughs> we like content. I made all my money uh, helping people out of that hole. And I'll tell you that the thing is, uh, it, it still doesn't translate super well to the guy who runs the hardware store or whatever, or, you know, the, the lady who owns a really nice uh, boutique in Boston um, who's trying to beat Groupon. And it's just like the craziest world out there. So when you meet these people, when you when you um, evaluate a business, um, how close? And then this is a, a, a completely general question. I, I understand, but like on average, like or usually, how close is your impression or your 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 gut instinct to what the business owner he themselves might think? Say say it one more time. I don't. I'm not well, fully sure. I get it. Well, when you when you get an impression of a business, you know the the, the yep. narrative starts to form in your head. Is it oh, often okay. similar to what the business owner is thinking, no. or is is there, is there is there is there other differences? No. So so business owners, uh, and I was going down that road, and I got a little tangented in my own little brain. Um, business owners tend to think everything is self evident. It's like they read the preamble to the Constitution of the United States. We hold these truths to be self evident, right? Um, you know, have you stayed in an Airbnb ever? Are you one of those kind mm -hmm. of people who does? Yep. Okay. What's awesome about a good Airbnb experience is that homeowner has labeled everything. Here's the Wi-Fi. Here's what to do. If you want some you know, breakfast cereal, you should probably eat this one, not that one, because that one's my brother's. You know, all the things that, that, that are go into making a nice Airbnb experience are like labeling and packaging stuff. Well, guess what business owners and humans in general don't do? They just walk around presuming you know what to do. Um, it's, it reminds me of the really old Seinfeld episode, Soup Nazi, where there was like a, a, a protocol to how you went in to get the soup. Well, I live in a really small town where one of our coffee shops, you go in ostensibly what looks like the outdoor. And if you don't go in that outdoor, like you are already marked for death. Like if you go in the, what should be the indoor, everyone goes, oh, you're not from here. And if you don't know that you order the coffee first and then the pastry second, they will kill you. They will kill you in the line and they'll eat your body and no one will ever find you. But there's no labels. There's nothing that says we're, we're here for you. So I try to make the world operate a lot more stranger friendly, a lot more frictionless. And storytelling wise, what that means is I try really hard to help a business owner go way past, you know, we've, you know, look at every roast beef company, uh, roast beef restaurant. I'm hungry. You could tell. Look at every like roast beef restaurant anywhere in America, for instance. You know what they say? Famous roast beef. You know what I've never known? What made him famous? You know, there's no like, you know, annual roast beef awards. Ricky Gervais doesn't come out and make fun of roast beef store owners. Like there's nothing that lets you know that something's famous. They just wrote the word famous like an idiot. Like it's almost like they don't know that the word famous is just somehow not glued to the left of roast. And 
what I try to show is, you know, what's one facet that these people are going to appreciate? You know what? Honestly, that little pizza place across the street, if they said our drivers have pens, that would be an <laughs> awesome story. <laughs> and by, by the way, you're, you're reminding me right now, I don't know if you've ever seen while well, most of us have the movie Elf. Yes. Right? And then be like, world's best coffee. Congratulations. And it's like, yeah, like every place has famous or, or exactly. best or, or whatnot. Do you see like while, while you're doing these evaluations and I, my site's undergoing a, a redesign right now and it, it, sure. it's horrible and it should. And one of my first principles, and I think it sort of ties almost to what you're saying. So maybe advice for, for people getting designed, if you, if you agree is I won't design mine because I know where everything is. Like, I know how my site's laid out. I know, like, it all makes perfect sense to me because it's been sitting there for way too many years. Looking like it does. Um, and I think that's part of the challenge you're, you're sort of dealing with is you don't know what you don't know, especially as a business owner. I don't know what the questions are. I don't know which door to open, right? You sort True. of hit that, you know, my entire web experience and web presence is based on my understanding of my world. Well, I know a bunch of weird technical SEO terms my clients don't and so right. i shouldn't use them so well and and let me let me get to probably my second or so you know possible controversial statement people put way too much stuff on the website way too much stuff there are way too many clicks and so as a marketing guy i have said for i don't know how many years now that there's a study from like the 1950s uh, called the paradox of choice and then if you get more than two options you essentially have uh, pushed people to take no option and that this is a massive, easy, obvious truth. Mm -hmm. And what's what's also true is that, you know, I can never seem to find the actual uh, study. Like I can't actually put my hand on that document. So for all I know, I made it up. But <laughs> what I say to people is that if there's a crap ton of buttons, then you've made people decide they don't know where they're supposed to go. So, you know, a big fat start here helps. A big fat ask for a quote. The fewest things on a site means a win. And, uh, you know, there's a... There's a um, contradictory point of view of this. Uh, my friend Syed Belki, who uh, does Optin Monster and List 25, and who's probably known to people in the show, Syed told me, he goes, you don't want to know one of the most successful sites in the world? Amazon. You know one of the most ugliest sites in the world? Amazon. You know what a site has the most things you could possibly click on it? Amazon. And I said, yeah, well, that's true. If you sell that, what does Amazon sell? They sell everything, right? But if you sell something really specific, then really pare it down. You know, when I just said that thing about, um, you know, our drivers carry pens, I would literally make that an advertisement for a site, uh, for, a, for a pizza place. You know why? Because every pizza place has pizza. Every pizza place has a calzone. Every pizza place has the same stupid re recipes. And they get all their crap from Cisco in the same truck. Like the one truck drops off at the one place, goes to the next place, and it's just which idiot cooked it at which place. You know, there's almost never something that really sets it apart. But if they said our drivers have pens, like don't worry, we can deal with your stupid credit card order. Like that's a differentiator. And I think that one difference in storytelling in 2020 and beyond versus even 10 years ago, is that we don't have time. And it's just totally not true. We have all the time in the world, but we invest our time in other things. So we give fewer than three seconds to a visual scan of a site. We give six seconds to the beginning of a YouTube video, which is why that pre-ad is what it is. And it, it's we don't give time. So if you're going to design a site in that world, Dave, it better damn be three seconds worth of me making my decision or you've lost it. 
Unfortunately, we have to do a few more than three seconds in commercial breaks, but I'm hoping that we're going to be able to come back with uh, with Chris Brogan. On behalf of Dave Davies from uh, Being Talking in the Marketing, this is Jim Hedgeman, Digital Always Media. Friends, stick around. You're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. We're back after these messages. After this short break... Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. It passes before it's noticed. A slight rising of the eyebrows, a widening of the eyes. It may be accompanied by an almost imperceptible inhalation. The heart adds a beat like a quiet exclamation point on the experience. Within a tenth of a second, the reaction has passed, but not without leaving its mark. Someone found what they're looking for. Does your website deliver impulses to act? It can. Intended Consequences is the podcast for digital marketers who see their job as changing hearts and minds. If you're frustrated, bored, or in a rut, it's time to spread your wings with me, Brian Massey, and my guests. Find out how successful, curious, creative, and data-driven marketers are making a difference on purpose. Visit IntendedPodcast.com or find us where you get your podcasts. Intended Consequences. Marketing on Purpose. WebmasterRadio.fm is now part of the WMR.fm Podcast Network. Evolving every day to meet today's demands. We are pioneers of podcasting, staying at the forefront of digital marketing, business, and entrepreneurship. WMR.fm enters the 2020s leading the way, expanding our spectrum of shows set to educate, entertain, and engage. We are the WMR.fm Podcast Network. WebmasterRadio.fm. Welcome to the place your competitors get their edge. Jump on it. We're here for you 24-7. Commercials off. Now back to Webcology. Only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Everyone, welcome back to Webcology and WebmasterRadio.fm. It's the fifth uh, of March, twenty twenty. We're rounding out the hour with Chris Brogan. He's going to be uh, keynoting at uh, PubCon, Florida, in just a couple of weeks. Chris, I've been thinking about uh, what you said um, near the beginning of the show, and what you, and, and then what you said uh, just about uh, uh, when, when we went to break. Um, you're the chocolate bar inside of the uh, the vending machine that that that. that the conferences represent and uh, people just don't take the time to, 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 to really suss out what they want. They, they try to consume information in bites that are like it's measured in seconds. Digital marketers like, yeah, we, we, we get to be really geeky and we tend to be on the uh, technical side of things, but part of what we're doing, at least what we think we're doing is marketing. How would a, uh, a webmaster make a website more compelling quickly? 
I love that question, which is uh, interviewee language for I'm going to try to tap dance really fast. Um, <laughs> good answer. If you ever hear that, that's totally what they're doing. They're like, oh, oh yeah, I know. We've been doing this 11 years. I'm oh, going to yeah. stop. <laughs> right? No. Um, so how do you make a site more compelling? Well, it's been beat out of me that a good looking site matters. You know, I, I'll tell you what I do to, you know, this is going to make so many people flinch, although I, I really stand by the product. Um, uh, Brian Gardner uh, from Studio Press, you know, back in the day when it was that or whatever, that's now part of WP Engine, makes all those Genesis themes. And I just push the theme button and I go, well, that one's good. And then that's it. That's my site. So I don't care anymore. I've given it up for Lent and it's how it's going to go. But what makes a site compelling to me is do I see what I need when I click it? Or, and this is secondary and it kind of depends on what the sale is, what we're selling. And this does work in B2B as well as B2C. If I sold B2B stuff, like let's say I sold uh, data center monitor monitoring tools, which is a thing, right? If I sold data center monitoring tools, you know what I would make the site? The very first part of the site would be um, look like Scotty to your boss. And you'd click it and you'd say, remember Star Trek, the old Star Trek? And Kirk would be like, I need power in two minutes. And Scotty would be like, it's going to take a day. He'd go, I need it in one minute. I did it, right? <laughs> like that's what I would say because what do you have to sell the product doesn't matter. You know, everyone tries to make the sale about the, you know, we have this and it comes to 21 nanoseconds and, you know, no one cares. What they want to know is your your boss is going to be happy with you. You know, when you book a vacation, all if you're the idiot who has to book the vacation, guy or girl, you're the one looking at the site going, I just want no one to be mad at me. Right? Like that's 100% of what the vacation's about. So I had a friend who, who did corporate uh, fly fishing retreats. That was his business in a, in a place in Idaho. And I said, well, then make the whole thing about the entire team's going to love it, even people who hate fly fishing. And that was the theme. That was the storyline. And the storyline was, even if you don't like fly fishing, we're going to make this awesome. And we're going to make it so easy to make this event happen that you're not even going to think about it. You're just going to plop down the credit card and you're going to show up everywhere we, we, we send you and it's just going to work. And I think that, I think that one big change, and, and again, I, I feel like this is something that people will disagree with. Your job as a digital marketer is no longer to make it work right. Your job as it always has been, if you have the word marketer in your title, your job is to generate and create the marketplace. The marketplace thousands of years ago was either inside the castle because that was the only place you could be sure that you were going to be saved. And so like, you know, commerce could happen under the watchful eye of the Lords and the soldiers and all that kind of crap, or it was at the crossroads, right? So out in the East, there were crossroads between very long routes. And so someone would like leave their goods there and then market would happen, right? That's the marketplace. That's how that works. That's why all these bazaars are so many years old and all that, because they were just a natural place for humans to coalesce. And the digital side of that, as we know, there's you know kind of infinite ways, but we've spent all our time repeatedly going, well, where's it going to be? Where's it going to be? When social media was vaguely interesting, which was you know for about 41 days, um, well, well, Twitter just showed up. Should we all go there? Yeah, sure. Twitter's great. You know, but that but, but these these sites aren't the marketplace. You know, the marketplace is wherever enough people gather to want something, and so. That rambly answer has multiple versions of how do you make a site prettier? You have to generate the marketplace. And the other thing a marketplace does is answers whatever the thing is the person is looking to get. You go to a farmer's market hoping to find like, you know, organic kale or whatever people go to a farmer's market for, a nice soap or something. But what you don't go to a farmer's market for is to find out whether or not you should get solar panels stuck on your roof. So 
you, you basically have to kind of build what I'm the kind of person who, and then work your way forward. It's interesting. I, I loved one of the, one of the points that you were talking about and it made me immediately think of the, nobody gets fired for buying IBM, right? Like just, I, I'm not selling you a product. I'm selling you a solution. Just, you don't want your boss mad at you. <laughs> so, so buy an IBM sort of, sort of, sort of angle of things. Um, something I, I would be absolutely remiss not to get into. And I know we're, we're down to, you know, just a, just a few minutes left in here. I get to see you doing a keynote in a couple of weeks um, in Florida. Right. So that's, that's going to be a pleasure um, without giving too much away because I want to, you know, go to the keynote and go, Oh, okay. That was kind of awesome. Rather than knowing everything that, that's about to be said, but what, what, what can, can we expect? What, what are you going to be talking about? What, what story will you be telling? It's pretty much a transcript of this uh, radio interview we did. I've uh, already sent my half of it off to rev.com. And when I get that back, I'm just going to say that all out loud. Uh, no. So I, the way I build all my speeches is unique to the the, the venue, and the the I think the way I wrote the title of this one was something like um, "Telling Stories in the Age of AI," or in the age of robots, or something. You're probably in the age of robots because I don't care about AI. Um, <laughs> well, it's not that I don't care about it; it's just not the storyline. So, um, what I'm going to talk about is if if it is true that we are all a lot more distracted, if it is true that we kind of browse everything, kind of like Netflix. There's that, there's that line that happens or there's that, there's that sort of, you know, when we watch a movie trailer, right? The only time we ever watch a five-second trailer is when YouTube forces us to. You know, I'm a YouTube premium guy, so I always choose everything I want to watch. But, you know, the general human populace only watches the five seconds of a movie trailer that they're forced to. And I think endlessly about how do I earn them holding on to watch the whole trailer, and, and I don't mean that legit and strictly to video. I mean, in life, if I have three or five seconds of your time, how do I earn the next three to five seconds of your time? And then how do I earn that magic distance between uh, someone being sold to and someone being interested to buy? Because we all know, like if we decide we want to buy uh, Tesla, you know, we come up with all these things we have to think about and explain and justify. But it's the minute we go from considering to justification that's the sexy part. So all I do all day long, if I can help it with the, the, what I do in, in this keynote speech and beyond, is how do I get you from consideration to justification? And what does that look like? And that's my goal. So are you like when, when I, I think I have a tradition mentality and I'm not a video marketer, so it, it doesn't, you know, thankfully it hasn't impacted my clients. But when I think of, um, you know, a, a client creating a video, I think of, you know, okay, how do I make a really good engaging, you know, three minute video that, that helps does this is what you're saying. No, I need to now break down that three minute video into 63 second videos and go, here's my first three seconds. Okay. Now how do I make the next three seconds engaging? Okay. Now how do I make like basically going, I need to chain this thing along until they are so engaged that maybe I can buy myself some like buffer because you know, at a minute and a half, they're going to be like, well, now I've had to admit I made a bad decision if I don't keep going. <laughs> 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 things. Like, okay, now I'm invested in it and you can sort of rely on that a little bit and go, I promise it'll be worth it at the end. But do we need to actually view something like video or, 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 you know, really any, any, you know, any content form and go, actually, I need to view this as how long will it take? You know, I'm, I'm picturing a, you know, somebody sitting on a couch with their finger on the channel up button, right on their remote going, I need to keep them so engaged that they just, it's like 
one second to click that button and, and move on. Is, is that who we're dealing with? And do you need to now segment your content into like few second chunks and go, I need to engage them once every five seconds to hold them on until they're so invested that they got to stay. So not literally, so to speak, you know, like the last thing I'd ever want to have to do is make someone push the play button 60 times. And if I saw a playlist of 63 second videos, I, I would watch it once for novelty and then send people there to make fun of it. Um, <laughs> but, but what I mean kind of, and, and what I'll be showing, and, and I, I keep using this as an example and it throws people uh, because they either didn't see the movie, didn't like the movie, or didn't even bother the movie. I'm, I was a lifelong superhero guy, you know, and that's because I kind of learned to read by giving comic books with my Grampy the Candy Salesman. And so um, there's an animated movie that came out called Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It is an animated film by Sony Pictures. It's about Miles Morales, who is a half black, half Latino Spider-Man from a different multiverse or whatever. So, so it's already lost half of everybody who goes, everyone knows Spider-Man's Peter Parker, right? But what, what the movie does insanely well is, is it's written for the attention span uh, that, that exists now. And I was going to say Gen Y. But what my fear is, if I say that, is people are going to go, oh, well, I don't have to worry about that. You do. You do. Everyone's attention span is shorter. Now, there's, I'll give you a really weird example, and I'll try to make it as brief as I can. I know we have like seconds. Um, the, um, if, you, if you watch, if you turn your TV on or your laptop on in your belly or whatever, and you turn it to face away from you, or you turn your face to look at the wall, and you watch the cuts between uh, different cameras being used, it is now up to about one a second. And now if you're getting into the kind of edgy stuff, it's two a second, meaning we show two different video uh, uh, angles per second now to keep people's attention. And why do we do that? Because we are flitting little creatures. Into the Spider-Verse, the thing that's interesting about the movie is it starts right in the action. You don't, you don't get a story. You finally eventually get a like super fast few seconds version of the origin of Spider-Man. But they wrote that into the storyline by saying that there's like six different Spider-Mans in this show and you're gonna have to understand why there's six Spider-Mans. So understand that that's the deal. So what I'm gonna teach is how do you learn from these things that I just threw out there to make real business happen? And how do you learn to do it with the mechanics you've already learned and spent your career building? I uh, I, I wish I could be a PubCon. I, I really wanna hear that that, that speech. And I, I don't know if I should be concerned enough. I thought, I thought the Spider-Verse was brilliant. Uh, Okay, Chris Brogan, thank you for joining us. Uh, friends, Chris is going to be keynote speaking on day one at PubCon. Um, that PubCon is going to be happening in uh, Miami, happening yep. on the uh, 24th, 25th, and 26th. And uh, you're also uh, awesome. <laughs> that, that was going to be so smooth, Jim. Um, also keynoting, you have uh, Annie Cushing. And uh, I believe we have some Googleites in there as well. I believe Gary's there. And Gary Eyes from, from Google. Um, Chris Brogan, thank you so much for spending. That was, that was a fun conversation, man. Thank you so much for spending time with us on Webology. I had such a blast. Thanks for allowing me to uh, sully your doorstep. <laughs> anytime. <laughs> Please darken this doorstep anytime. Friends, you have been listening to Webology on webmasterradio.fm. This was recorded live to podcast on the 5th of March, 2020, on behalf of Dave Davies from Feedstock Internet Marketing. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Rank well. Um, do good stuff by your clients and your websites, all that sort of stuff. Go to PubCon Florida, and we'll talk to you next week.
The opinions expressed on this program are those of guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.